Good morning and welcome. Patriot Radio News Hour. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group, and welcome to Hump Day. We got a great show lined up for you. I'm going to have my uh, partner, Jason Walker. He's going to be joining us uh, on the program today. 800 951 the website at allamericangold.com. And uh, the, the poll, I want to just a couple of quick things, and then uh, we'll get to the Patriot Radio News Hour. Uh, the 1360 poll, it's up. I need everyone to vote. We've had a lot of votes cast. It is very, very close. I, I won't say. I don't want to say who's. I don't want to sway anybody, but just know that this is very, very close. Uh, we have five choices, as, as most of you know. No, we're, we we are making a change to the schedule. Uh, we're going to be on Tuesday, the day after Labor Day. I want to say that's the seventh, but don't quote me on that. But you know, the. Uh, first Tuesday in September. How's that? We will start our new morning show uh, with Jason and I. Uh, We're going to be doing three hours. The first hour will be Patriot. Uh, This will not affect Phoenix at all. Uh, Then then we'll have two hours of the morning show uh, there. Uh, Alex Jones is going to move up an hour and be during the lunch hour. Rick Rodriguez, a huge fan favorite. He's going to go Four days a week now. So he'll be on Monday through Thursday. And then, of course, don't forget, we also have Rick on Sunday uh, with his ministry there. Uh, And then uh, the Front Range and Leah. Then we want to know, who do you want to hear? Kind of in that I'm driving home from work into the the early evening. And, And we've given you five choices right now. That is where Larry Elder sits. And I, and I know all of you know Larry's running for governor, and he's making, hey, he's making a heck of a show. Uh, I, we don't know. If he wins, obviously Larry won't be back. If he doesn't win, he I'm assuming, and, and I don't know this, but I'm assuming he would be back. But that's, that's the kind of the time slot we're talking about. So your choices, Larry Elder. Maybe, maybe you want Dennis Prager. Some of the uh, voters, Charlie Kirk, Ben Shapiro, and and then Dan Bongino. So Bongino's people, uh, they relented and said, you, you know, they, first they said we could have them, then they said they couldn't, then they said they could. But those are the five choices. I don't want to tell you who's in the lead. I, I will tell you uh, that that it is very, very close Go to 1360KHNC.com, right at the very top of the page, above where the schedule and the podcast are. It just says, uh, answer one survey question. Just click on it. Those five choices will pop up. Put in your favorite. And at the end of this, uh, we, we will. We will. I think what we're going to end up doing is we're going to take uh, all of that into consideration, uh, and we may actually bring two of them, the top two vote getters on there. But we want we want your input on this. Uh, we want what you guys want to hear out there. 
so take the time, get it out. But I will tell you, a lot of votes have already been cast. Very, very close. Uh, so make sure you you have your voice be heard. Uh, at this time, listen, I'm going to bring Jason on. Uh, Jason and me and Jack, uh, who does our producing uh, in, in Colorado, we've got some scheduling conflicts this afternoon. So we're going to replay this show where the Colorado Front Range is today, just for today only. But it's so funny. I was talking to Jason. I'm like, I want to play this clip. And Jason's like, you know what, someone, hey, I want to play this clip. And we said, you know what, let's do this show together because I think it's always important. Uh, you know, you hear from me, you hear from Jason, you hear from Brian, to hear what other people are saying because a lot of times they can explain it just a little bit better or maybe in a different way to get people to really get educated a, a different angle sometimes is good on, sometimes there's a different angle uh, helps you know just coming from yeah. a different point yeah. of view. you know and, and so we're going to play a couple of of really good clips uh and then jason and i will go back and forth on it uh but but jason really close that what's happening about who people want to listen to? I kind of thought it would go that way, actually, and then uh, see, and I did it. I did it. I I, I thought there was going to be one. I, I didn't know which one, but I was like, okay, one of these guys is going to be the guy. It, it's really close. I was talking to Kevin uh, coming off the Jacked Up show, uh, Joe, and uh, he said, "Look, by the way, big fan of Kevin. Kevin's good. Kevin's does, good. Uh, Kevin Larusso, man. Information's fantastic. You're going to be here to hear more of him on the New Morning Show. I, I think he'll be our Wednesday guy, but." Uh, he was saying uh, number one, number one, Ben Shapiro across the country right now when it comes to uh, uh, people that w- what they want to hear on a daily basis. Uh, ben Shapiro is actually in, in, uh, a lot of it is of younger younger people, but uh, so it didn't surprise him. I, I told him, well, we're looking at different avenues of, of voting and whatnot. But he's he's like, look, man, you know, I know that a lot of older people that listen to this station maybe no, don't know who he is or anything, but yeah, see that, they're getting, they're getting, to, know, they're getting to know him. Because that's what I would think, right? You know, Ben Shapiro to me is like the podcast people. You know, he's he's more like a Joe Rogan, if right. you will. And, and so I, I, I was like, he was one of the guys I thought, eh, he, he's not going to do a whole lot. But you never know. Again, I don't want to sway anybody in any direction. It's close. It's close. Yep. <laughs> when we get back, we got one heck of a show coming up for you you don't want to miss it patriot radio news hour we'll be right back 800-951-0592 patriot radio news hour uh, we're, we're gonna go uh, really quickly one one last thing about the voting i just want everybody to know nobody has less than 10 percent of the vote that's how close it is nobody has less than 10 percent of the vote uh, and I don't think anybody has more than 30% of the vote. So it, it's a tight one. Uh, get your votes cast. So Jason and I, we want to go quickly. Uh, we're going to go. Yesterday, I was telling you all about Jeffrey Gunlatch. I left out way too many things. And, I, and so we made the decision. We're going to play him. We're going to do it right now because it's 14 minutes long. So it's going to take up most of this segment. But I want to try to give a little time uh, for Jason to chime in on this. Jack, if you're ready, uh, let's get Jeff Gunlatch in his interview yesterday with Yahoo. A fascinating discussion with Double Line Capital founder and CEO Jeffrey Gunlock. Jeffrey, you're just making a point about 
your strongest conviction on the future of the U.S. dollar. I want to explore this a bit further and help our viewers understand what some of the longer term implications of this might mean, especially for the standing of the U.S. globally. Well, the U.S. has enjoyed the status of sole reserve currency globally for decades, and it's an, it's an incredible benefit. Uh, we also have the biggest uh, military in, in the world, which is kind of goes hand in glove with being a, a reserve currency, I think. But in the aftermath of the lockdowns and the pandemic that continues to wear on, it, the strongest economy in the world by far has been the Chinese economy. And the U.S. economy has bounced back with a lot of consumption. A lot of that consumption is going to China. It's one of the reasons China has such a strong economy. So what, what we're seeing is the United States is starting to fall behind in economic growth. That's not a new thing that's been going on for a generation, the U.S. falling behind. But the Chinese economy is growing so rapidly that the estimates as to when the Chinese economy will be the largest in the world keep getting pulled forward. Um, you know, 20 years ago, it was thought to be 2050, the Chinese would be bigger than the U.S., and that was 2040. And now it's the estimates are maybe it's in the 2020s, uh, maybe even 2028, the Chinese economy gets bigger. And China's made no uh, secret of the fact that they want to be a global player and have at least a seat at the table of global reserve currency status. And they're spending like crazy on military and have also made no secret of the fact that they want their military to be dominant, maybe the, the biggest in the world. Also, they have huge savings in China. They have a culture of savings. They sort of the gold medalists of saving uh, historically. And so we put all those things together uh, with the U.S. growing debt like crazy. We're, we're, uh, we have debt to GDP that is fueling the majority of our so-called economic growth. So is, is it really economic growth when you uh, borrow money or print money, send checks to people who turn around and buy goods on Amazon in addition to maybe paying down debt and speculating, and these goods come in from China? So we're running our economy in a way that is almost like we're not interested in maintaining global reserve currency status or the largest military or global, uh, let's call it a superiority or, or control. And so as long as we continue to run these policies and we're running them more and more aggressively, we're not pulling back on them in any way. We are looking at a roadmap that is clearly headed towards the U.S. dollar losing its sole reserve currency status. And I feel that as long as we run these policies, it's almost certain that that's going to happen. And because of that, uh, the dollar should be going down. The value of the dollar is so high because we enjoy global reserve currency status. And we don't, we don't really respect it enough. We, we, we take it for granted, I guess. We seem to take a lot of things for granted these days in the United States uh, relative to how we thought about things in prior uh, decades and generations. And I, I believe that we're setting the stage for us to uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I use the word enjoy, I guess that's a experience, I suppose I should say, the consequences of our actions, the way we've been running uh, a, a non-serious economic program now for, for uh, really since 1980, but it's, it's really accelerated so much in the past decade, and there's no signs of it abetting. So that's the reason why the dollar is going to go down, and uh, it's already peaked. I mean, it peaked at 
the Dixie index at 103. There was a double top in January of 2017 and then right after the pandemic hit. And now we're living down about 10% lower. And I believe the dollar is going to take out the lows of the past uh, down cycle. See, the dollar has been in a series of declining highs for decades. It goes back to the 80s. And uh, for that reason, I think when we get to the next break to the lower level, the dollar is going to go past the most recent low of around 80 and even take out the low of 70. So I think there's easily 25% downside in the U.S. dollar. And with stocks so overvalued uh, versus historical metrics, it means that other stocks, non, uh, you know, for, for U.S.-based investors, buying stocks in foreign currencies, right now I prefer the euro, ultimately will be emerging markets, maybe starting uh, next year, that's going to be the place to be. Hmm. Yeah, it's certainly um, an interesting uh, thesis you lay out there. Uh, I do want to bring up the Federal Reserve again, and of course a lot of talk lately, Jeffrey, as you know, about you know taper talk, um, if you will, and we have the symposium coming up, the Jackson Hole uh, Symposium uh, later this week, not that we'll get any uh, insight on tapering there, but what are you kind of looking for from the Fed? How are you thinking about what their next move might be? Well, I'm certainly of the, of the, of the mind that the Fed is not thinking seriously about raising short-term interest rates as long as they're doing quantitative easing. So the taper uh, was thought to be uh, impossible for anywhere here in calendar 2021, but there's whispering behind the scenes some of the Fed officials are thinking that maybe they should start tapering even as, as soon as next month. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to wait and see. They're clinging to this uh, transitory or temporary inflation thesis. They've already been wrong on that. Uh, the, the, they, when they've talked about this bump in CPI and other inflation being temporary, they, they kind of define that as being two or three months. But it's already been uh, more than two or three months. Now they're talking about six or nine months. I think uh, if we go into uh, December, if we end the year uh, 2021 with inflation on the CPI headline above five, which is about a 50-50 proposition, I think. If we're at 5.4 right now. Uh, if it stays for the year at five, uh, then I think the Fed uh, may, ha- may start tapering because the transitory inflation thesis will be very hard to defend at that point. Keep in mind that the PPI, which is wholesale prices, which lead CPI, on the headline are uh, 9.6 or something like this. I know it's a nine, 9 and change, and on the headline it's 4.3. So the Fed policy is going to depend completely on whether or not these elevated inflation levels can endure. And with commodity prices having stabilized but not dropping, I think it's a, a fair bet that inflation is going to continue to be stubborn on the upside. Uh, and, and with that happening, taper becomes more of an issue and more talked about. But I don't expect tapering is going to happen. Uh, I, I would think maybe December at the earliest. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey, my, my colleague uh, Brian Sazi has a, a question for you. Brian? Jeffrey, yes. Just following up on what you were saying about the Fed, given that you do, you do, see, you do see stocks as overvalued, when the Fed does taper, how disruptive do you think that will be to stock and bond markets? Well, it certainly would be negative for the stock market. As I pointed out, the, uh, the, the expansion of the Fed's balance sheet goes in lockstep with the uh, capitalization of the S&P 500. And, as, and when we saw when they tried to taper in 2018, the stock market had a sort of a mini crash. It actually went into a very uh, compressed bear market in the fourth quarter of 2018. 
and it uh, caused forced the Fed to completely change uh, their activity. So it, it has it has a negative effect uh, on the stock market. Uh, for bonds, what's weird is, is when the Fed is tapering, historically, yields have actually fallen. Uh, it's weird. It's kind of counterintuitive. But historically, that's been the case, that yields have fallen when the Fed has tapered. And uh, now the Fed is, since the Fed uh, has been expanding their balance sheet, actually, treasury rates have risen. Uh, they, they were at a crazy low level uh, once we went into lockdown. You know, the 30-year treasury bond actually got down to 1% on a closing basis. And then the Fed reacted with massive stimulus, and now the, the 30-year Treasury bond—it's not tremendously higher, but it's up at—you know—it's up at about you know 1.85 or so. So as they've been doing this quantitative easing, stocks have gone up, and bond yields have modestly gone up. And so, counterintuitively, a lot of people understand—they think if there's tapering, bond yields will go up. But historically, the opposite has been the case. So it, it would probably mean bond yields stay subdued, and stocks would fall. Uh, Jeffrey, I, I have one question for you on, on the economy, and I'm so glad to have you um, here today. So we had consumer sentiment crater uh, just the other week, um, yet we also have job openings at 10.1 million, which is incredibly high. And then when you look at GDP, we're essentially flat from Q4 of 2019, yet we're flat, but with 5.8 million fewer uh, workers, so productivity has gone up. How do you kind of think about the overall economic picture here, especially, uh, you know, given all of that as a backdrop? Well, the economic picture is very, very hard to divine ever since the government got so involved in the economy. And they've made so many, um, so much, it's like uh, pushing on like a waterbed or something. You know, if you push on the side of the waterbed, the other side goes up and weird things happen. and, And you can't really compare it to a time period where you're not pushing on the waterbed. So it's very hard to discern what's going to happen. But certainly the employment situation that you point out is, is really fascinating and it's kind of seminal to the screwed up nature of the economy. Everywhere you go, almost any profession you ask, they say that they have a hard time getting workers. Well, not, not, no surprise, people are making more money or the same amount of money by not working. And the government continues to support that. So what will happen when these uh, stimulus programs ultimately end, or people actually have to start paying their rent. There's going to be tremendous economic disrupt- disruption. The, the officials have a tiger by the tail, and for now, they are not getting clawed or mauled by the tiger. But if you let go of the t- tail of the tiger, you're going to very likely get mauled. And, and that's what's going to happen. Uh, if, you, if you ended, the, you don't have to pay your rent, the, the eviction moratorium. There's going to be all kinds of consequences to that. Rents are going to go way up. Uh, if that happens, I think. Uh, also, people are relying on stimulus, and the stimulus is responsible completely for this economic growth. You know, GDP is 70% consumption. And as this economy has rebounded back on a GDP basis, it's done so with tremendous increase in the trade deficit. Multiple percentage points of GDP have come from an increase in the trade deficit. And that's not real GDP. Consumption is not really the economy. The economy is about production. And when you buy goods produced in Asia with stimulus money, it shows up as GDP, but it's really Asian GDP. It's consumption in the United States. So uh, the economy isn't really that strong. As you point out, with 5 million fewer jobs, it shows up as uh, correctly mathematically in the productivity equation, but it's really Chinese productivity. Because, again, if you just consume goods, 
you're not really having uh, economic growth. You're just having consumption, but we define it as economic growth. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens when these programs end. I, I, I saw that the $300 uh, unemployment supplement is being uh, curtailed uh, on schedule, but states still have a lot of money that hasn't been dispersed. So the stimulus on state's discretion could continue longer, even though it's now no longer being funded weekly by the federal government. But when it all ultimately ends, we're going to see, well, this is, this is people talk about the stimulus and Fed's low interest rates as a punch bowl. And certainly this has been a very deep punch bowl, spiked pretty heavily, you know, with uh, 100 proof liquor. And what, once this party ends, the hangover is going to be in the form of sharp drop in economic growth. I think one of the reasons consumer sentiment dropped so much, just cratered at the most recent reading, has to do with the fact that people are aware that maybe the stimulus is getting a little shakier in terms of your, our ability to predictably rely that it's coming again. And also the misery index, which I think Ronald Reagan created, which is the sum of unemployment and inflation. Once it goes over 10, they call it misery, and it's at 11.3 right now. We'll so. stop it right there. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back right after the break. 800 uh, We're going to go quickly here. There is about another 30 seconds left. So let's finish Jeff Gunlotch, and then we'll get Jason's opinions on what he had to say. Jack, go ahead and play the rest. They call it misery, and it's at 11.3 right now, the sum of CPI headline and unemployment, and maybe the consumers are feeling the inflation. I think people are starting to realize that inflation's out there. If you ask people what is the big thing that's worrying you about the economy, overwhelmingly right now, what comes across is inflation because people see it at the gas pump, they see it at the supermarket, and as, as long as there's stimulus happening, I see, I see food inflation is continuing. Well, Jeffrey Gunlock, founder and CEO of Double Line Capital, I thank you so very much for stopping by Yahoo Finance Live today. Jason, <laughs> your thoughts. So he says, he, he's almost like in your camp, he says, hey, interest rates are going to stay low, which is something you said the last time I had you on here. Right. Then he says, hey, this whole thing, this GDP, it's fake GDP, yep. driven by stimulus and consumption. And really, that means it's really more Chinese GDP. And now we sped up the clock to say, listen, China's going to pass us completely here in the next few years. Yeah, he's, he, he's right in line with how I see things, Joe. Uh, the way I, I look at it, America's economy, the, 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 the Federal Reserve system that we're uh, ruled by it's like a it's a it's like a broken car we need a new car but they uh, knowing we need that they need a new car to run their a new economic system uh it's not just that the one thing's going to break that you know the transmission is going to go out that we we know this but also the cv axle is getting ready to go out either one of those things is going to derail the whole car uh, we also the starter's getting ready to go out <laughs> so you know all these things that the fed is trying to 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 I think lengthen the old system before bringing in a new system, Joe, is what we're looking at. And this is why I, I, I feel like they, they're really going to back the interest rates up to get more people into debt, to get people to, to refinance or, or get homeowners that can't qualify now to maybe qualify and, and save all these people that are backwards because of coronavirus and forbearance and uh, rent forgiveness. You go to a 40-year mortgage. And I, 
I think he's got it right now. One thing I, I, I heard him say earlier on is, he's like, well, Americans don't seem to really care that we're the, uh, we have the world exchange currency. You know, it's so funny. I was just going to say, here was his quote because you picked it up. We're running our economy in a way that is almost like we're not interested in maintaining global reserve currency status. And I would say Americans care about that greatly. I think central banks of the world don't care who has that status, Joe. That's that's the difference for, that I'd have with what he said, which is I think Americans care. I think Americans would love to keep the American the, the world trade uh, status of, of our currency. I mean, well, who wouldn't want that, right, Joe? I mean, you want the you want the strongest I, and currency. I agree. In the world. And I think, and I don't think he was talking about us. I, I, he's saying we're running our economy. We, he knows we don't run the economy. I think right, he's taking right. a shot at the Federal Reserve. Thing. Correct. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. But you only if the average guy listening. You know, he's got to be got to be sitting. there like, well, I want I want to keep our status. I want America to be number one. I want to keep. I want to stay with the highest standard of living in the world. And uh, it, it, with with no ability, we have no control over this. I think it's going to be moved purposely towards China. And, and here's the thing: I don't think China is going to keep that status very long, Joe. If it moves heavily towards China, and, and then the people start buying in yuan's. Uh, I, I think uh, I think the the manufacturing starts moving very quickly into into Africa because that's the next cheap labor pool that they're going to develop. That, it's, it's it's just a game. They're just going to keep you know history repeating itself, Joe. And what happens is our right our first, I guess, general. right. It was it was Europe. Yep. Right. Then, then all of a sudden it, it switched to America. World War Two right? purposely then, purposely World War Two was to switch that from the, the pound sterling to the dollar. That was that was what World War II was specifically about was to change world markets and bring Germany and other industrialized nations into uh, the Federal Reserve note as world trade currency. The, you know, that's what the, that's what the the meetings at the end of World War II was about. Joe is is, is to change yeah, the economic Woods, system. Yeah. Bretton Woods. Yeah. Yep. 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 Clearly, Bretton Woods. For those of you that don't know, really, that was the the most important thing that came out of uh, World War II was Bretton Woods, which said. Hey, all commodities will trade in dollars. Yep, and that kind of made that's how that's how the dollar became the reserve currency of the world. Uh, today, you can now buy crude oil in euros. You, and by the way, when I mean when I say that, you could not buy crude oil, soybeans, corn, cotton, what steel without dollars. Yep. Of course, today you you could now you have your choice of about a half a dozen different currencies you can do it in, uh, but but as America the 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 holdings of dollars continues to fall all over the world, and the Chinese still are a very small portion. You know they're they're down at like three or four percent of holdings, uh, and and I think Jeffrey Gunlot sees the writing on the wall just the way I do, which is hey. Once we're the biggest economy in the world, and they're already the the uh, consumer of the most stuff and the producer of, more importantly, as Gunlatch pointed out, they're the biggest producer of stuff. And in the next, what, what, what are we talking about, six, seven years here, they're going to pass the United States yep. in every metrics, yep. and they're going to want their currency to reflect that. Absolutely, and, and you know it's going to be a good one-two punch because the, the the clip I'm going to play on the next segment, Joe, is is just showing you a, a company in a very specific place in the economy. Information they, they, these guys know what's going on because they handle the information of the CIA and the FBI, Palantir Tech. So it it's going to be interesting. They're, 
we're going to play this. So Jason said, I'm going to set this up for everybody. What we're going to play next, uh, Palantir Tech, I talked about it, I want to say it was last week or the week before. They were the first, what I'll call, major public company to say, hey, we're buying gold. Uh, But... Jason knows this company very well. He knows it better than I. I knew they were a big data storage. They really are a data mining company. But they're the ones that, that and I didn't know this till Jason told me, they're the ones that c- kind of do the spying, if you will, for the CIA and the FBI and a lot of these government agencies, right, Jason? Yeah, I mean, if Tesla went out and bought a bunch of gold, that'd be interesting. It's like, oh, okay, maybe you know, maybe Elon Musk knows something. Or if Apple suddenly started buying a bunch of gold, oh, man, they probably know stuff that we don't know. But this company, not being a well-known company, actually has information at their fingertips as to why maybe they should be buying gold. I mean, it's it, it the scary part in Michael Invest. Is, I just love his accent. It's good to just listen to this guy. And I think he's kind of a Joe and Jason kind of guy. I think he's an average guy in Australia that, that sees the same things we see. But he lays out the world condition, and then he lays out this company based out of Denver, Colorado, and why they're buying 100-ounce gold bars. And it's, to me, Joe, it's like if you have the inside track, you have the information, you pull the trigger on that, right? That's right, yeah. I mean, if you know what's going to happen, you prepare for it. And that's exactly what they're doing. That's coming up next. Don't touch that dial. 800 Again, we're, we're trying to go quick here to get all of this in. Yep. Uh, J- Jason uh, has the clip. That, uh, Jason, just, just lead us in here to the clip. Yeah, yeah, Michael Invest. Let's just let's put it in there. He's talking about a company that, and he's going to explain the whole thing. It's great. So let's listen to it, and then Joe and I will have the last segment to talk about it. Go ahead, Jack. Well, Smokes Holy, everyone, in today's video, we've got something very important to discuss. I don't know about you, but to me, things that are going on around the world seem absolutely insane. And there are so much things going on around the world and so much events that are happening at the same time it's leading me to think that we're on the verge of something huge that is going to be coming very soon but it's not just this young crazy chap that's thinking about this but also there's a company that knows america's darkest secrets this company is an intelligence company an analytics and a data company that has worked for government bodies like the CIA, the FBI, the CDC, major financial institutions. They've also been working and collaborating with healthcare companies around the coronavirus outbreak. Who is this company, you ask? Palantir Technologies. Now, if you don't know who Palantir is, Palantir Technology is a public American software company that specializes in big data analytics. Headquartered in Denver, Colorado, it was founded by Peter Thiel, Nathan Geddings, Joe Lonsdale, Stephen Cohen, and Alex Karp in 2003. And very interesting about the name of the company, the name is derived from the Lord of the Rings, where the magical Palantir were seeing stones described as indestructible balls of crystal used for communication and to see events in other parts of the world. And so this company that has a lot of data and information about some of the most powerful institutions in the world is now hoarding piles of 100-ounce gold bars in case of a coming black swan event. 
Because look at this, everyone. So the company has spent $50.7 million in 100-ounce gold bars in August. And listen to this statement, everyone. This is something we have to be concerned about and something we have to start preparing for, which I'll get into later in the video. They said embracing non-traditional currencies reflects more of a worldwide view. Shyman Senkar, the chief operating officer, said in an interview, you have to be prepared for a future with more black swan events. Holy smokes, everyone. This is a company, a data analytics intelligent company that works for the U.S. government, that works for the big financial institutions, the healthcare institutions. They know exactly what is coming or they've got intelligence of what will be coming way before us, the public, are going to know about it. And again, I don't know about you, but for me, I've been noticing more and more black swan events that are going on around the world. And we all know that the great reset that they've been talking about. The very idea of human being some sort of natural concept is really going to change. Our bodies will be so high tech, we won't be able to really distinguish between what's natural and what's artificial. Is going to be coming, they say in 2030, but really, that could be a distraction. There could be many other big major events that will be coming much sooner. Now, you may be thinking, why are they getting into gold? Well, just some of my thoughts and opinions why they may be doing this. For one, stocks are at all-time highs. Real estate's at all-time highs. They are interested in cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, but that is a lot more risky. Gold is a hedge against inflation, but it's also a hedge against, you know, global chaos. When there's global chaos and uncertainty around the world, people do tend to flock to gold. And gold is also the ultimate hedge against a currency collapse. And what have we been seeing around the world that's happening right now? People are losing faith in fiat currencies. People are losing faith in the dollar, where I am, the Australian dollar is falling. And I've been seeing many currencies completely collapsing around the world. And we're seeing extremely high inflation around the world. And we're seeing high inflation really going into asset prices. We're seeing countries like Venezuela, Lebanon, Argentina. All their currencies are being devalued rapidly, just to name a few. Also, we've got issues going on in Afghan. We've got issues with China, and that's another huge risk. China is getting more authoritarian. They're clamping down on their billionaires in their country. You know, companies that are trying to go public in the US or companies that are trying to IPO, they've been clamping down on them, and they're really reining in their citizens and their billionaires because I think, you know, the billionaires will maybe getting a bit too... Uh, cocky or a bit too arrogant maybe started questioning the ccp and they're now showing their true colors to say hey again just remember we're in charge and since they've done this we've seen a lot of their tech stocks have absolutely crashed by over 50 percent in china we're seeing lower gdp growth we're seeing china buying less of the world's goods and we're also seeing shutdowns in the ports with more lockdowns and if that's not enough, we're seeing a lot of unrest in many countries about the health mandates that are going on right now. So everyone, what does this mean for you and me and how can we prepare? Well, what this means is this company is buying insurance and this is something we should do as well. I'm not saying, you know, sell your stock, sell your house and go all in on gold, but I'm saying Gold is kind of like insurance and not financial advice, but I like to have at least 10% of gold in my portfolio just in case things really hit the fan. 
And also, if you have a diversified portfolio, when you have multiple assets like stocks, real estate, Bitcoin, precious metals, well, you want to allocate money to an asset when it's not really hot or it's not really a talking topic or it's not really booming. So if you do want gold in your portfolio, now with it being at a bit of a discount, it may be a good idea to start considering it. So that way, if another Black Swan event does come, like the thinking will Jack's come, busy. I do think gold will appreciate and all assets that have been crazily inflated, like what we saw in 2020 when stocks crashed but gold shined, well then this may be a good way to hedge your bets. But it's not only this everyone, if there truly is dark times coming ahead, you also want to find ways to become more self-reliant. That's good Jack, we're good. I didn't know I was on the air, so sorry about that, but we'll be right back, we'll finish this uh, with Joe and myself. Right after the last break. 800-951-0592. Patriot Radio News Hour. Joe Jaquin, Jason Walker. Uh, just closing up here. The Just two really uh, great interviews when you think about, okay, Jeff, Jeff Gunlatch. And I don't uh, What's Double Line? They are the bond market. Nobody understands... What's happening in the bond markets more than Jeff Gunlotch. He's the bond king for a reason. And, and you know, you think about the debt machine that is the U.S. Then you go and say, hey, let's look at a company. What company could possibly know more about what's coming than a company that really provides all the information to the Defense Department, right? The FBI, the CIA, right? They're, they're the main place uh, the government goes to get their data. So Palantir absolutely has an inside look. And these guys got together and made a decision. You know what? It's time to buy gold. <laughs> right, Jason, right? It's time to get some gold. <laughs> yeah. And, and they... They, they used the, you know, the, the Hasim Talib, the Black Swan event, you know, which, which is now the, you know, they say this is an event that people didn't see coming. And, of course, I, I, I don't believe that. I think people absolutely see them coming. But, but they do such a great job of shielding us from seeing it that, that it, it looks like and appears like this is a, an event that came out of nowhere, i.e. a Black Swan event. And they said, hey, listen, this is why we're doing it. We see the data. We know what we're turning over. We know what they're asking for. And we're getting our financial house in order. Our company. And this is a company. What they're, so what they're that, saying, you know, Joe, they're saying that our company is, is uniquely positioned to see the black swans flying in for a landing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, I agree. They, they, are, they are unique in that perspective. And I find it interesting because they can do anything. They can buy treasuries. They could buy Renembis. They they could buy euros. They could, I mean, they can buy other company stock. I mean, they could buy their own stock. You, you got to believe. You got to believe for the government to to trust them with this information. There's got to be a trade somewhere, and then and then part of that trade's got to be, hey, uh, we want to make a lot of money while we're uh, doing your th- stuff for you. So you got to believe that that's part of their deal. It's got to be. And 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 I think it needs to be part of everybody's deal. Make sure. Your portfolio is ready. Uh, it Jackson Hole starts tomorrow. Uh, gold's down ten bucks. It's not a big deal. And, and again, really, 
Uh, it's not a deal at all. This is just the Federal Reserve saying, hey, give us some credence here. Uh, silver's kind of ignoring the whole thing. Uh, it's off about eight cents. Uh, silver right now at 2380. Uh, we still have some type two, not very many type two silver eagles, brand new silver eagles, uh, 685 a roll, uh, and, and some $20 gold pieces from yesterday at $2,075 at 800. 951. Zero five nine two. Uh, Jason, any uh, final words or last thoughts? Yeah, I just want to say I spoke in front of a group yesterday, uh, uh, Free Colorado. Uh, got a whole bunch of new listeners and and customers, I think, for Patriot Trading Group. And uh, I just want to say I was, I was glad I was invited to speak. And uh, you know, we're going to keep growing this thing, Joe. I'm, I'm pretty happy that uh, we're in a position to do what we do. Yeah, me too. Make sure you cast those votes, too. We, we want to play what you guys want to hear. 1360 KHNC, uh, hit the survey button and, and let us know who you want to listen to. Uh, Jason, huge shout-out to you. Thank you for joining uh, me today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. God bless everybody. Have a great rest of your day.